Mike, this is it. He said that that case, it's not because win or lose the case. That judge let it go forward. Yes. He let it go forward. He did. You know, that's just, if by doing that, now you can sue for anything. Yes. You can always sue for defamation. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. You know how to avoid it? I got the feeling that something ain't right. Don't defame. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Not that I'm an attorney. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Just saying. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. Oh, a whole lot of jokers to the right today. That's for sure. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. Going to get hot up there this weekend. Going to get hot everywhere. Out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis-St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker. Oh, an all-around swell fellow, (laughs) says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. And yeah, one thing is just dropping after another today. Uh, even as crazy Mike Lindell is out in South Dakota uh, with his my pillows and his proof, proof, his absolute proof, absolute proof uh, that the election was stolen from Donald Trump. Turns out that absolute proof is not quite as absolute as Mike Lindell might have hoped. And and yet uh, at the same time, there is some crazy disturbing things going on out there in South Dakota that Indeed. we might have uh, somewhat of an exclusive on uh, coming up in, in in a bit here on the program that could affect a whole bunch of folks in the country, including those of us out here in California, where, where we are about to have a recall election of our governor for some reason in just about one month with early voting Starting in days, we'll get to all of that. But for some news headlines here, the Census Bureau is releasing data today that will be used in the coming weeks and months for congressional and state legislative redistricting. I know we'll be talking about that in the days ahead, but suffice to say for now, without federal legislation to require independent redistricting commissions in states, Republicans are now set to pick up anywhere from five to about 13 seats in the U.S. House next year, just based on report reapportionment alone. 
largely in a handful of states like Florida, Texas, Georgia, North Carolina, where Republicans control most, if not all, of that redistricting process. And that's before people even start voting. So barring federal legislation to prevent it, that new redistricting or gerrymandering, as the case is likely to be, will determine both congressional and state legislative districts for the next decade. So, yes, this is important and just one of the reasons that it's currently maddening that Democrat uh, Democratic senators Joe Manchin, of West Virginia and Kirsten Cinema of Arizona are blocking Senate filibuster reform, which would allow, uh, you know, at least allow the protection of voting rights and elections and democracy itself. If we had filibuster reform, instead uh, we are protecting or they are protecting a, a Jim Crow era Senate rule, at least for now. I still remain somewhat bullish on uh, the possibility that voting rights legislation and democracy protecting legislation may be passed in the U.S. Senate, maybe in the next month or so, whether that is in time to stop the gerrymandering that uh, Republicans are furiously uh, trying to do right now. And by the way, raising the question of whether the Democrats should do the same themselves since the Supreme Court has said, well, we're not going to say anything about gerrymandering. You can gerrymander all you want. Well, an argument can be made that what goes around comes around at this point. In lieu of federal legislation, maybe Democrats ought to gerrymander in the same way to get themselves some more seats. So we have a fighting chance to save what I am now putting quotes around democracy in this country. The uh, census data, meanwhile, Desi Doyne, don't know if you have seen this. Has uh, right-wingers kind of freaking out today a little bit? Really? No, I had not seen yeah, that part. Well, I would have thought they would be ecstatic. Well, they're kind of freaking out because it shows that America has grown much more diverse. Oh, well, yes, of course. Over the past 10 years, it turns out that the number of white people in the U.S. has fallen for the first time since... 1790, ah. when many of these Republican uh, voters were born, I think, <laughs> uh, with almost all of the increases in, in population coming among minority groups like blacks and Hispanics, uh, and they're almost all congregated entirely in urban areas. So, you know, that's going to make a lot of heads explode on Fox News today. In other quick headlines, the U.S. is preparing for a likely evacuation now of embassy staff and others in Kabul, Afghanistan, as U.S. officials believe that the city could fall to the Taliban at any time now within the next 30 days or so. The U.S. is now reportedly sending troops back into the country, at least temporarily, to help with the evacuation from the embassy, as security is said to be rapidly deteriorating across much of the country right now, while the Taliban regains its foothold in uh, many provincial capitals, while the U.S. completes its exit from its longest war ever. Which, of course, is predicated on the fact that the Trump administration signed a deal with Afghanistan to get out. So yeah. Biden is abiding Continuing by the deal. agreement. Did you say Biden is a Biden by the agreement? <laughs> Not intentionally. I think he is. Uh, a majority of Americans, uh, meanwhile, in highly vaccinated counties, 
now also live in coronavirus hotspots. That's thanks, of course, to the incredibly infectious Delta variant, but mostly to those who refuse to become vaccinated. Uh, on that matter, we continue to see hospitals and ICUs fill up uh, to capacity in states like Florida and Texas and Louisiana and Mississippi and Arkansas, the states with among the lowest vaccination rates in the country. And now we are seeing more and more children becoming infected and, yes, hospitalized and, yes, ending up uh, in the ICU on ventilators because those under 12 still have no access to vaccines, the same vaccines that so many uh, on the right and some on the left are refusing to take because they have been so desperately disinformed about and, vaccines. And just a quick point, the only protection that children under 12 have is wearing a mask, and if you wear a mask when you're around them. Yes, and yet, at the same time, the Republican governors of both Florida and Texas are still standing by their authoritarian mandates that block local governments and local school districts from instituting their own mask mandates if they feel they need to as the school year begins. That after, as we reported on our previous broadcast, uh, the, uh, that California has now become the first state in the union to mandate either vaccination or regular testing for all public school teachers and staff in the state. The state's uh, teachers union uh, endorsed that new policy. And on Thursday, according to The New York Times, late today, America's largest teachers union, the National Education Association, is now offering its support for a similar policy nationwide to require all teachers to either be vaccinated or face regular weekly testing. The uh, NEA joins the American Federation of Teachers, another major education union, which signaled their strong support for a similar mandate uh, on Sunday. But of course, Governors Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis since they stand for freedom, they stand for freedom to kill children, I guess, as DeSantis has now even gone so far as to threaten to withhold funding and paychecks to school districts and school boards and superintendents who defy his mandate. Happily, at least several uh, large districts in both of those two states are, are doing exactly that, defying their governors, deciding that they would rather not put the lives of children and teachers at risk. And uh, they're putting those concerns above the political ambitions of their wingnut authoritarian governors. Uh, also, by the way, just before air, uh, news that the U.S. Supreme Court will not, in fact, block Indiana University's vaccination requirement. That's good news for a lot of private institutions around the country um, and, and schools, uh, colleges and so forth, who are requiring vaccine uh, for students for attendance. And for the record, if you wonder who the hell these people are listening to in order to confirm their confirmation bias that life-saving masks and vaccines are somehow bad for you despite all of the science which demonstrates the exact opposite well 
course, a lot of that is coming from right-wing radio, as usual. And yeah, we have a lot of right-wing radio in this country. It's almost entirely right-wing radio, by the way. If you found us, if you found the broadcast, congratulations in having done so. I know it wasn't easy. Didn't used to be this way, by the way. Nope. Uh, in any event, and, and by the way, just to be clear, you can blame Ronald Reagan for that, for doing away with the Fairness, uh, doctrine. fairness doctrine. And uh, then uh, Bill Clinton for uh, putting in place the, uh, yeah, deregulating, putting in place the Communications Act of 1992 that, allowed all of the non-right-wingers to be easily pushed off the air in favor of the right-wingers. But, as a poster at Daily Coast pointed out last night, some of those right-wing wingnut hosts are themselves now beginning to drop like flies due to, yes, COVID. In the news, just on Wednesday, Bob Johnson notes... Uh, Dick Farrell, a Florida right-wing radio host who mocked COVID and, quote, vehemently criticized the vaccines, was announced to have died hmm. due to COVID. As reported by The Washington Post, Farrell died of complications following COVID-19. His fiance and life partner Kitty Farley confirmed this week. Farrell Austin Levitt, publicly known as Dick Farrell, died of, quote, severe damage caused by COVID-19. He was 65 years old. Previously, he was scathing in his criticism of the vaccine, as well as America's top infectious disease expert, Anthony Fauci, says the Post, calling him a, quote, power tripping, lying freak in a Facebook post just last month. So that is uh, one who has been lost. Uh, another, Phil Valentine, whose condition we discussed a few weeks ago, the Nashville right-wing talker uh, who claimed that he wouldn't die of COVID. Um, but he has since said that he wishes he had, in fact, gotten the vaccine before he got sick. Well, he's been hospitalized since mid-July. And uh, an update on Wednesday suggests that his condition is not looking good right now. Valentine remains hospitalized. I think we covered his story initially about a month ago. Valentine remains hospitalized still in critical condition with COVID-19 now, uh, weeks after being admitted for the disease. Valentine, who broadcasts on Super Talk 99.7 WTN in Nashville, uh, he was known for his COVID-19 vaccine skepticism. Uh, he wrote on his blog back in December, quote, what are my odds of getting COVID? They're pretty low. What are my odds of dying from COVID? If I do get it, probably way less than 1%, he wrote. Well, we hope the odds stay in his favor, but the, new, the uh, news, at least of today, after so many weeks in critical condition, is not encouraging. We hope that... Uh, we hope that he comes around. His brother, when we covered this story uh, several weeks ago, uh, said that, boy, does he wish he had, in fact, taken the vaccine and that all of the family is out there now trying to uh, encourage others to do so. And then there's Mark Bernier. Bernier? Bernier? I'm not sure. Uh, he's a longtime right-wing uh, radio talk show host from Daytona Beach, another Florida host. And you wonder why Florida is now breaking all-time records 
for uh, infections, hospitalizations, and uh, soon, sadly, even deaths in the Sunshine State. Um, all these talk show radio hosts are on our public airwaves, lying to them about COVID and about vaccines. In any event, Bernier had repeatedly expressed his anti-vax views on the air. He was admitted to the hospital with COVID. Uh, there has been uh, no comment, however, on his condition, at least as of last night. While he did not have uh, specific knowledge of Bernier's vaccination status, the station's operations director, Mark McKinney, said that the host has made his anti-vaccination opinions well known on the air. McKinney told the Daytona Beach Journal, quote, if you listen to a show, you've heard him talk about how anti-vaccine he is. According to McKinney, Bernier went to the doctor on Friday and received his diagnosis. The talk show host was then hospitalized on Saturday. News of the diagnosis comes as Florida this past week reported 22,783 coronavirus cases on Friday alone. That, at the time, was a new daily record, according to the Florida Hospital Association, and they have been smashing records ever since. Of course, uh, we wish uh, Valentine and Bernier, Bernier the, uh, the best, but uh, yeah, wingnuts are going to wingnut. Even into the grave, it seems, if necessary. I just wish they weren't killing so many others around them with their toxic, poisonous, incorrect... Uh, anti-science words over our public airwaves, which they're using to disseminate so many dangerous lies and so much disinformation. Uh, speaking of which, at least someone is being held accountable for spreading disinformation and without having to die in order to realize how misguided they were, at least hopefully. Earlier this week, we reported that Dominion Voting Systems had filed three more defamation lawsuits against three more wingnut entities who had lied about their voting machines being used to steal the election from Donald Trump last November, despite the complete lack of evidence to even suggest as much at this point. What are we, eight, nine months nine since months, the at least. November election? Oh, yeah, something like that. So in any event, all of this time, they have been able to come up with like no evidence at all to even suggest there was some sort of foul play, much less prove such a very, very serious allegation. Let's see. So earlier this week, Newsmax, One America News Network, or OANN, and the deep Trumper Patrick Byrne, the wingnut former CEO of Overstock.com and the major funder of the so-called post-election forensic audits that the MAGA mob is now pushing for around the country, they were all slapped with $1.6 billion defamation suits each. And if they believe that they'll be able to simply lawyer their way out of those suits, well, news on Wednesday about several of the previous defamation suits filed by Dominion suggests that uh, those two news outlets and Patrick Byrne may all be in very, very serious trouble. A number of news outlet, uh, outlets uh, reported on this uh, late on Wednesday. I'm going to actually work from the account of Keith D.B., a retired Florida attorney, posting at Daily Coast last night because I actually found it to be among the, the best reports that I had seen written. 
Dominion Voting Machines sued Sidney Powell, her law firm, Rudy Giuliani, and Mike Lindell, the MyPillow guy, along with his company, MyPillow, alleging that they defamed Dominion through numerous comments challenging the 2020 election. Those defendants motioned to dismiss earlier throwing the kitchen sink at their dismissal dismissal motions with claims of lack of personal jurisdiction, lack of venue, failure to sufficiently allege malice, failure to state a cause of action for which relief can be granted, and much more. Well, on Wednesday, in a 44-page opinion, a Trump-appointed U.S. District Judge Carl J. Nichols denied every single aspect of the motion to dismiss for every single defendant. The case, therefore, will now proceed against all three. No, they don't get to walk. They don't get to lawyer themselves out of this mess. They could still be found innocent. Or there could still be a settlement, but they don't get to walk. They got to face the charges and they got to face depositions, discovery and everything else. And by the way, so does Dominion. As Keith D.B. reports, the failure to state a cause of action and absence of malice claims, he says, were the most interesting part of the judge's decision because they often touch upon the merits of Dominion's defamation allegations. This was because Powell and Lindell argued that they had evidence to support the claims that they made. So the judge evaluated that evidence. For example, Powell had claimed that she had a video that depicts the founder of Dominion saying that, quote, he can change a million votes, no problem at all. Well, the judge pointed to numerous public statements that Powell made promising to disclose that video and noted, quote, she has not, however, disclosed that video. Well, that's kind of a problem. This prompted the judge to conclude that, quote, a reasonable juror could conclude that Powell has not produced the video because she doesn't have it. In any event, it is a matter for discovery now for Dominion to demand production of that video to see if her statement that she had it is actually false. Now, by the way, a case can be made that Dominion could change millions of votes, no problem. But if she lied about having a video that she claimed that she actually had when she actually didn't and used that to harm Dominion, yeah, now we're talking about uh, defamation territory. In another example, Powell accused Dominion of paying kickbacks to Georgia officials in order to get their voting machines into the state of Georgia. Did you know they use Dominion uh, voting machines in the state of Georgia, Desi Doyen? (laughs) We should do a show on that at some point. <laughs> anyway, I, I remember that uh, claim very well from Powell about those kickbacks to uh, Secretary of State uh, Brad Raffensperger, because that that one was actually serious enough that even the Trump campaign at the time backed away from her after she made those claims about kickbacks, kickbacks to Republican election officials in Georgia. She claims now, according to Keith D.B., that uh, as Dominion uh, points out uh, this, she claims there's a certificate that uh, Dominion has pointed out that she presented. uh, Dominion points out it has been doctored 
But she says it proves that kickbacks were given to Georgia officials. The court notes that the certificate itself makes no such suggestion, even if it is accepted as not being doctored. So even if what she put in was not doctored, it does not prove that Georgia officials took kickbacks from Dominion. As she did in the uh, in the separate recent Michigan court hearing on whether to sanction her, Sidney Powell argued malice cannot be shown because she relied on affidavits of experts and other witnesses. Now, this, you will recall, uh, has sort of been a centerpiece of the claim of so many in the MAGA mob claiming that the election was stolen because, you know, there are hundreds, if not thousands of affidavits from people who say they saw something. Sworn affidavits. Sworn affidavits. Or people who did some math that they think proves something. Nonetheless, every time a judge bothers to actually examine those affidavits, as in the case in Michigan, where Powell is facing some serious sanctions from the court, uh, the judge finds that the affidavits actually prove nothing or they're from people that actually saw nothing, saw no actual fraud, but they heard something from someone who heard something about fraud, etc. And then they filed an affidavit because anybody can file one. And that attorneys uh, have some responsibility, the judges continue to find, some responsibility to do some actual investigation to at least try to confirm the legitimacy of these claims before they include them in affidavits in lawsuits. Well, in this hearing on the defamation case... Uh, by Dominion, the Trump appointed, again, the Trump appointed judge, he was really harsh when it came to these affidavits. The judge walks through how the affidavits had obvious indications of unreliability, that it appears that Powell had drafted them herself, and that some of the affiants had actually recanted them entirely. And this part is interesting. Uh, the uh, disgraced former Trump National Security Security Advisor, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, uh, who pleaded guilty to lying to federal investigators and lying about being a foreign agent, but was eventually pardoned by Trump before he could serve any time in jail. Uh, even Flynn gets a mention here in this ruling as a potential indication of Powell's malicious motives. President Trump pardoned her client, her client, Michael Flynn, on the same day that she filed her first lawsuit challenging the results of the 2020 election. Remember, Sidney Powell used to be, I guess still is, Mike Flynn's attorney. And she got a pardon on the very same day that she sued Dominion. So the judge... The judge accepts as a possibility for a jury to consider that Powell maliciously defamed Dominion as part of a quid pro quo with Donald Trump in order to secure a pardon for her client in a completely unrelated matter. Hmm. Interesting. Lindell also argued that he did not have malice because he had evidence for his claims. The judge looked at that evidence and concluded that Dominion, quote, has adequately alleged that Lindell made his claims knowing that they were false or with reckless disregard for the truth. What? The pillow guy having <laughs> reckless disregard for the truth? Say it ain't so. Lindell's experts, it turns out, 
according to the judge, were not actually experts, and they often made ridiculous claims. For example, Lindell claimed that George Soros created the deep state in Germany in, 19, in the 1930s. As the judge pointed out, quote, that would have been a remarkable feat for George Soros, who was born in 1930. Yes, but he was a very, very smart toddler. Everyone says so. Fully capable of organizing the Nazi regime into a deep state, I'm sure. The uh, efforts by the defendants to get a quick dismissal of the suit uh, have apparently failed. Instead, the uh, judge, again, the Trump-appointed judge, strongly indicated that the lawsuit is meritorious. Thus, a jury will now decide or defendants will begin to turn on each other uh, as they uh, all attempt to somehow settle this one way or another with, uh, with Dominion. With the wording of this decision, however, settlement negotiations will be from a position of strength for Dominion, notes Keith, as they seek $1.6 billion in damages from these three legal geniuses, Giuliani, Powell, and Lindell. Giuliani's uh, legal bills uh, will continue to mount as he is in trouble all over the place, having uh, had his law license suspended in New York and Washington, D.C. All of these defendants will now have to be subject to discovery to include depositions under oath. Good luck with that. For his part, true to form, uh, pillow guy Mike Lindell... According to Talking Points Memo, reports uh, that Lintel called the denial to dismiss his case, quote, the worst decision a judge has made in the history of this country. (laughs) The worst decision ever, eh? I'm not sure that former slave Dred Scott would agree with that assessment, but that's Mike Lindell for you, uh, who has been busy doubling and tripling and quadrupling down in South Dakota this week at his three-day-long so-called cyber symposium where he had promised that he would finally expose the absolute proof that he had already promised in about three different videos named similarly Uh, but where he would finally, finally, super finally expose the proof uh, that was so irrefutable that the Supreme Court was going to reinstate Donald Trump immediately in a 9-0 decision on August 13. Yes, Friday the 13th. (laughs) Hope you are ready to have your new old president back in the White House. Uh, Now, Sadly, it looks like there has been some bumps in Lindell's plans this week in South Dakota, as reported last night by, believe it or not, a wingnut right-wing newspaper, the Washington Times. And and I don't know if we are exclusive yet on this, but we might be, because uh, while Lindell's plans to reveal evidence that would restore Trump to the White House before the week is out, uh, while that may not actually come to pass... Never say never. You don't know. It could. A separate disclosure of information at the cyber symposium actually of proprietary code from an actual voting machine company. Well, uh, the broadcast has learned um, 
that code does appear to have been released, almost certainly unlawfully, at this symposium on Wednesday, and it could have a very, very serious effect on upcoming elections, including the recall election coming up here in California to remove the Democratic governor, Gavin Newsom. That uh, may be exclusive, and the crazy train of Lindell's cyber symposium blowing up in his face... And before all of our eyes, that is next on the Bradcast. Who says we don't occasionally bring the red meat for you? I'm Brad Friedman. Buckle up. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. are welcome back to the Bradcast. brad friedman from bradblog.com okay this comes uh as an exclusive today from the right wing wingnut washington times keep that in mind because this is a very very trumpy maga news outlet but that's all the more reason why this story is just so amazing and or enjoyable, depending on how you wish to look at it. And it ends with, uh, well, what might be our own broadcast exclusive sort of related to all of this, even though what we have to report is actually a much serious matter. But first, the wingnut Washington Times here. They report the cyber expert on the red team of cybersecurity experts and hackers hired by MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell now says the key data underpinning the theory that China hacked the 2020 election unveiled at the cyber symposium in South Dakota is illegitimate. So close. So close. Now, this just gets amazing here. So forgive me for forgive me for reading so much of this straight to you from the remember the right wing Washington Times. Mr. Lindell said he had 37 terabytes of, quote, irrefutable evidence that hackers who he said were backed by China, broke into the election systems and switched votes in favor of President Biden. The proof, he said, is visible in intercepted network data or so-called packet captures. That's essentially uh, a record of data that crosses over the Internet and they, they capture the information that shows exactly what was done when that information transferred. He claims that these packets were collected by hackers and that they could be unencrypted in order to reveal that a cyber attack had occurred and that votes were switched. That was supposed to be the absolute proof. A record showing the Internet traffic that actually somehow 
flipped millions of votes across the country for Joe Biden on Dominion voting system tabulators and voting machines. And Mike Lindell was going to reveal it all in Sioux Falls, South Dakota this week. But cyber expert Josh Merritt, who is on the team hired by Mr. Lindell to interrogate the data for the symposium, told The Washington uh, Times that packet captures are unrecoverable in the data and that the data as provided cannot prove a cyber incursion by China. Oh, it's so sad <laughs> yet again. Mr. Merritt said on Wednesday, the second day of this three-day symposium, quote, so our team said, we're not going to say that this is legitimate if we don't have confidence in the information, unquote. Mr. Merritt's break from Mr. Lindell accelerated the unraveling of the MyPillow millionaire's months of spinning of conspiracy th theory that said he would... Uh, that that said that would reverse the outcome of the 2020 election and restore former President Donald Trump to the White House. Mr. Lindell delayed a scheduled unveiling of his evidence on Wednesday at the symposium. He had offered five million dollars to any in-person attendee who could disprove his claims. However, apparently the offer is no longer on the table. Mr. What? Merritt said, I know. <laughs> That was convenient, my pillow guy. Is it also fraud? I don't know. Uh, leading up to the seminar, Mr. Lindell had displayed a video of scrolling incomprehensible text, which he claimed were the packet captures that he had received, proof he claimed of his China hacking theory. The video was featured in his documentary, Absolute 9 to 0. That one was called. The other one was called Absolute Proof. There was one in the middle called, I don't know, Absolute Proof. Nonsense. Anyway, that video was played on a loop on screens throughout the convention center during the symposium. Even, by the way, as some who showed up to get copies of those packets uh, that Lindell had said he had, well, they complained that he was not giving them to them for some reason so that they could, you know, examine them for themselves. Cybersecurity expert J. Kirk Wiebe. I think that's how you say his name. We'll call him Weeby. A former senior national security agency analyst and whistleblower also said that Mr. Lindell did not have the actual data sets. He said that the scrolling text was likely meant to resemble what the packet captures would look like in the data set, but that they were not actual packet captures, which are vital to prove the claims. Mr. Merritt and Mr. Weeby said that the missing packet captures could be a result of either the format that the data was sat, sent in or they were withheld by the source of the information, who apparently is some guy named Dennis L. Montgomery. Now, follow along here. Mr. Montgomery is a former government contractor who, according to The Washington Times, developed cyber tools named Hammer and Scorecard, you may have heard that from oh yes from my Sydney right wing Powell nut friends and, too yeah oh really yeah, yeah. Uh, that was early on in the in this uh, uh, pretend outrage about a stolen election oh it was hammer and scorecard uh, these programs according to the Times were allegedly used by the U S to influence foreign elections somehow Mr Montgomery came forward with the data after he said that the tools were being used to influence U.S. elections, that, according to Mr. Wiebe, 
the National Security Agency guy. Mr. Merritt, the guy on Lindell's expert team, confirmed that Mr. Montgomery was, in fact, the source of the data that nobody now seems to have who could have guessed it, but that the data that Mr. Montgomery sent contains no actual packet captures <laughs> and cannot be used to validate Mr. Lindell's marquee theory, which he planned to unveil at the symposium according to those two experts. So, and, and it gets it gets crazier. Mr. Montgomery, remember the one who created Hammer and Scorecard in theory and said he captured these packets? Well, Mr. Montgomery reportedly suffered a stroke on the eve of the symposium and has not been in contact with Mr. Lindell's team or any cyber experts at the symposium. I told you this was nuts. Montgomery apparently has also been behind several other high profile conspiracy theories, including allegations that U.S. security agencies wiretapped Trump Tower while Mr. Trump was running for president back in 2016. That guy. That guy. Remember, they were spying on the campaign at Trump Tower that apparently is another scheme that came from the same guy. Montgomery, who claimed to have the data, also proving that China stole the election, but who seems to have had a a stroke the day before the big proof was going to be revealed to the world by Lindell, who, I guess, didn't bother to actually get the data and have it examined before spending millions of dollars on this con and, yes, getting himself sued for $1.6 billion by Dominion Voting Systems? Mr. Montgomery said he presented the Trump Tower wiretap evidence to then FBI Director James Comey, who dismissed the information. Mr. Montgomery later then sued Mr. Comey, alleging a cover up. But then, for some crazy reason, that lawsuit was dropped again. Go figure. Did he have a stroke the day before he was going to have a deposition? I don't know. Still, Lindell's expert Mr. Merritt said the data did contain important, quote, forensic evidence of manipulated voters. But then maybe it didn't. Uh, And maybe he gives this away in uh, in this quote to the uh, right wing Washington Times. He says, quote, we were handed a turd and I had to take that turd and turn it into a diamond. And that's what I think we did. Okay. (laughs) Turd diamonds. From the MyPillow guy, sleep on that, Mike Lindell. The symposium uh, organizers did apparently unveil data on Wednesday in front of the audience, which they said showed tampering in the 2020 presidential election in Mesa County, Colorado. The presentation on this point was ad hoc. It was separate from Mr. Lindell's original claims of a nationwide hack and... It has all led to some very big trouble back in Mesa County, Colorado, where state officials actually raided the county clerk's office earlier this week after the disclosure of a password for voting machines that seems to prove that the leak actually came from Mesa County election officials themselves, if I'm able to understand this. 
Nonetheless, Mesa County's clerk and recorder, Tina Peters, who may be the source of that leak, as some have charged, uh, she headlined day one of this gathering in South Dakota. Ms. Peters is now under investigation for the potential election security breach from within her office. Lindell's team would not confirm the source of the data of the data that was used for Wednesday's presentation. Kurt Olson, a lawyer on Mr. Lindell's team, said that there were multiple sources of the data that Mr. Lindell claims to have and did not confirm that Mr. Montgomery, the guy who had the stroke the day before, uh, was in fact the source of the data, even though the guy who examined the data said that Mr. Montgomery was the source for that data. Uh, Lindell's attorney also clarified that, oh, good news here, the $5 million challenge to disprove Mike Lindell, that has not been canceled and that Mr. Merritt would not be privy to that information. So he wouldn't have known that it wasn't canceled. The challenge to disprove what Mike Lindell was proving with data that doesn't prove it. Got that? (laughs) But oh, my God. There may be much more to this story that is actually uh, troubling and that I am trying now to nail down as best I can, which I hope to have more on in the days ahead. Some stuff that's actually serious. Apparently, um, so this Ron Watkins, the guy who runs an Internet rabbit hole by the name of 8Q, where most of the QAnon conspiracy stuff comes from. In fact, uh, many believe that Watkins is actually Q himself. Uh, So he showed up at this conference, at least on video, uh, right around the same time that some data was suddenly made available for download that appeared to be some sort of actual code, some actual source code, perhaps, of some sort from Dominion Voting Systems Election Management System, or EMS. And this could be a very serious security breach. Now, because availability of that uh, uh, code, if in fact it, it is legitimate, legitimately source code from Dominion that is used on their voting machines around the country, and their uh, tabulators and so forth that could be used to, you know, actually hack an election. So just before airtime today, I was, in fact, able to confirm with the uh, legendary cybersecurity and voting system expert, Harry Hursty. You may be familiar with him if you saw HBO's Emmy-nominated 2006 Hacking Democracy documentary or their now Emmy-nominated 2020 follow-up, Kill Chain, the cyber war on American uh, America's elections, or even the 2010 award-winning Murder, Spies, and Voting Lies, in which I myself play a starring role, uh, as it's based on my own reporting at bradblog.com of uh, voting system whistleblower Clint Curtis, and it includes my interview with Hari Hursty, which I think may have been his first on-camera interview. Oh, really? At least in English. Uh, He now runs uh, the DEF CON Voting Village in Las Vegas. He's been uh, serving as an expert uh, analyst for uh, CNN. 
uh, including at Lindell's Cyber Symposium, as I understand. Anyway, I, uh, I heard from him just before airtime today, and he told me that what was shared on Wednesday were, in fact, three different images of installed Dominion EMS systems, election management systems. This is a big deal, and it's being made not just available to people at the uh, uh, whatever it's called, the, the cyber, cyber symposium, symposium yeah. but it's actually being put out there on the Internet. People Ooh. are downloading it like crazy oh, all boy. over the place. Apparently, it's hard to get to because so many people are trying to get it. This code, it seems, is now out in the wild. Hari uh, writes to me uh, via email. He says, I can confirm that those were circulated for copying. He says it isn't source code as such, but as part of the code is interpreted code. There is actually human readable and editable things there. Oh, dear. So I'm trying to get uh, more info on this from Hari as he is uh, at the symposium and from others about this and what it all means as far as a security breach goes. But so, you know, I don't know yet what it means exactly. It could be very serious, especially with early voting in the September 14th California gubernatorial recall election for Governor Gavin Newsom uh, beginning in just days now out here in the Golden State, where a number of major jurisdictions, in fact, uh, including San Diego County, San Francisco, Riverside County, all use Dominion voting systems, uh, use their hardware and their software. So I'm trying to learn more about what all of this means, how serious a breach this actually is from experts. But once again, it shows how security by obscurity does not really work for voting systems as uh, election officials and voting machines companies. They think, oh, if we just keep the code a secret, then we don't have to worry. That doesn't work because it seems like someone is always able to get access to that code that you are trying to keep secret. And, of course, it's just one more reason why I have argued going on 20 years now at Bradblog.com and here on this show where I have argued that computers, in fact, have really no place in American elections. And on that, maybe even crazy, loony, discredited, former crack addict turned my pillow guy, Mike Lindell, may actually agree with me at this point. He and I may actually be on the same page. Anyway, after that story, I need a break. And we will come back with some always good news <laughs> from Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. That is straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. Our nightmare election may be over, but new ones are on the way. Here at the Bradcast and Bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to do it. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to make an automated monthly pledge of any amount you like, or even just a one-time only contribution to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. The fight for voting rights, civil rights, and to save our planet continues. 
please help us continue that fight independently over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate right now. Go ahead, do it right now. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. We're short on time, Des, yep. and I'm, I'm exhausted after those last two segments, so I'm, <laughs> I'm going to let you kick this off. All right, let's get to it. Our latest Green News report. Well done. It is a massive investment, $3.5 trillion to be spent on American families and to combat the climate crisis. Democrats pass budget reconciliation blueprint, setting the stage for historic climate action. Wildfire smoke reaches North Pole for the first time ever. Plus, Tropical Depression Fred heads to Florida as the rest of the globe swelters. All of that sweltering and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. If Joe Biden really wants $66 billion for trains, he should change Amtrak's name to Track Force. <laughs> True that. This is your Green News Report. Now sign the check, Mitch. Freedom isn't free. Okay, Desi Doyen, potentially very big news in the U.S. Congress, but of course... Extreme weather gets in the way already. Oh, always it does. First, as we go to air, Tropical Depression Fred is tracking toward Florida, while much of the U.S. is roasting under another extreme heat wave, prompting excessive heat warnings or advisories covering more than 150 million people. In Oregon, Governor Kate Brown has declared a heat emergency just weeks after a deadly heat wave struck the Pacific Northwest. Mm. In Europe, still in the grip of a persistent widespread heat wave fueling record wildfires, the island of Sicily this week, if confirmed, may have set a new all-time highest temperature record for the entire continent of at least 120 degrees Fahrenheit. In Sicily. Tunisia on Wednesday also set a new all-time national record of 122 degrees Fahrenheit. In Tunisia. In Siberia, also in the grip of an intense heat wave, Massive wildfires in that one single region are now bigger than all of the world's other fires combined. Well done, Siberia. Worse, smoke from those fires has reached the North Pole for the first time in recorded history, according to satellite observations. Black soot from the wildfires sadly settles on Arctic ice, absorbing the sun's heat, which accelerates the melting of the ice. Santa is not going to like that at all. Now, a new dire U.N. climate report issued this week warns that global warming and extreme weather disasters will worsen and intensify over the next 20 to 30 years, and that the window is closing for world governments to enact swift changes to have a decent chance of staving off truly catastrophic impacts projected for the latter half of this century. To that end... After years and years of infrastructure week... We're on the cusp of an infrastructure decade. After months of negotiations, Senate Democrats this week passed two major bills. First was the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure deal, which focuses on repairing the nation's crumbling infrastructure, with 19 Republicans voting in favor. If it's passed by the House, this modest bill would be the biggest investment in traditional infrastructure since the interstate highway system decades ago. And in electric vehicle charging stations, just want to point that 
that out. Oh, indeed. President Biden emphasized its historic nature. This bill is going to help make a historic recovery, a long-term boom. Senate Democrats also this week pushed through a key procedural vote on a budget resolution strictly along party lines that lays the groundwork for the Democrats' only $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation package, funding over 10 years that boosts working families and so-called human infrastructure. The blueprint also contains the bulk of Biden's climate agenda, targeting 100 percent clean electricity by 2035 and net zero carbon emissions economy-wide by 2050. Cool. It has significant investments to speed the transition away from fossil fuels, cut pollution and emissions, and funds repairs and upgrades to adapt the nation's infrastructure for climate resilience. In its present form, it establishes a clean electricity standard, a civilian climate core jobs program, investments in environmental justice, electrifying buildings, expanding electric vehicles, renewable energy, and more. Final passage in the laborious legislative process would likely come in mid-September with zero Republican votes expected. But it does appear to be coming as long as, well, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema decide to play along. The two bills together would be the biggest infrastructure investment in U.S. history and are widely seen as the last chance for the U.S. to take meaningful climate action for the next decade if Republicans retake Congress in the 2022 midterm elections. In a recent interview on the broadcast, climate scientist Dr. Michael Mann referred to the dire new U.N. climate report released this week in noting just how crucial it is that the U.S. take action. Potential for climate policy stands on a knife edge. Um, This is the defining challenge of our time. Catastrophic climate change is here. The science tells us that we have to act now. This is a defining moment Mm -hmm. in human civilization. And I don't think that's an overstatement. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Because it's the heat of the moment. Uh, brother, we are so screwed. Uh, anyway, and by the way, everything is happening so quickly now, it seems, since laying down today's GNR earlier this morning, uh, that heat advisory we mentioned there for 150 million Americans across the country, that now extends to 175 million Americans. So please... Be careful. Please stay cool this weekend. Yes, please. And also, we didn't have time to talk about the new floods in Turkey that has killed 17 people at least. And that is triggered by torrential rains, which has been a thing that's been happening quite a bit across the northern hemisphere this summer. Except where it isn't, like out here in California, and our reservoirs dried up. We've run out of drinking water. We've had to turn off our electrical power uh, generators in Northern California, yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, other than that, it's all going well. <laughs> It's looking good. Never worry. We'll be back soon with another delightful (laughs) broadcast. Until then, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It's always appreciated. It is always an honor. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, or you just want to share it with your friends and your family, you can always download it for free at bradblog.com. Thanks to those of you who are kind enough to stop by bradblog.com slash donate. 
to help us keep telling the truth over your public airwaves. You can drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. We'll see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Yeah.